How does God speak to you? How does God speak to you? Henry Nowen was a professor at Harvard and Yale. He was a Catholic priest and He was well known for working with mentally ill, and theologically, he worked on how to use his theology or how theology and mental health and illness aligned. Fascinating, fascinating. I, I was a student at Johnson Bible College about 40 years ago and got to hear Henry Nowen. He was a renowned speaker then. I didn't know who he was. He was talking about his book, The Wounded Healer, and he, he wrote 39 books. But the last 10 years of his life, he worked in the Learc community in France, which Learc means the Ark. And what he was doing was living in community with developmentally and mentally challenged and intellectually challenged people. And it was to be a community of faith where everybody mattered and they ministered to one another and helped one another. And as he was doing that, he came along a young man that he was particularly involved with in relationship, and his name was Trevor, and Trevor was sent to a mental institute. At that time, back in the 80s and 70s, there were mental state mental hospitals and government mental hospitals, where now we see a lot of homeless people in small towns like ours that would have been institutionalized back then. And there was this progression of bringing people into what I would say a normal community. And I don't know how well it's working, honestly, if you really look at it, because some people need some help that they aren't receiving now. But anyway, he went to this mental institute to see Trevor, and they were so exciting to have the renowned Henry Nowen come that they had planned a lunch for all the mental health professionals and everybody that worked in the institution, except for the patients and particularly Trevor because that wasn't allowed. And so Henry Nowen, if you knew him very well, he was kind of a passive individual that didn't make a lot of waves. He was a humble man. But but the spirit inside of him spoke and, and said, basically, Trevor needs to be here. And so he said to the people that day that was running this institution, I'm not going to speak and I'm not going to participate unless Trevor is welcome in this in this company. And so somehow they figured out a way for Trevor to come and be a part of that luncheon and be a part of that fellowship in that moment. And so they were moving right along. That had occurred. Trevor was sitting next to Henry as his special guest. And all of a sudden, Trevor's steps up and says, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. Everybody looked around. And he said again, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. So Henry stood up and joined Trevor and said, if you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And then the rest of them all awkwardly got up and said, 
If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. Now, Henry, the famous Henry Nouwen spoke that day, but you know what they remember? If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And God spoke through someone who was developmentally challenged, mental illness, and uh, God spoke through that moment that day. And so as we approach this idea of how does God speak to you, and if you're joining us online today, we're the third week, but actually the fourth sermon in this series of God and God working in us through rooted, being grounded in our faith. The question then becomes, does God really speak today? Does God speak And in the Old Testament, I'm going to go through a lot of different people, and there are passages beside that. So if you want to reference it to verify what I'm saying, if it's true or not, look there. But in the Old Testament, you see that God spoke to Adam and Eve. Actually, he walked with them in the garden, and they had dialogue, immediate, live dialogue in a garden. Can you imagine? And then there was Noah, and then there was Abraham, and then there was Sarah, and Moses, and Aaron, and Miriam, and Joshua, and Samuel, and David, and Solomon, and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Elijah, and Jonah. Those are just a few, just a brief summary of who God talked to. And in the New Testament as well, God speaks. He says, he, he talks to Mary, he talks to Joseph, he talks to Zacharias, he talks to Elizabeth, he talks to the shepherds the lowliest of the low. He talks to the wise men, far from God, that didn't even worship Jehovah God. Talks to Simeon. He talks to Paul and others. Like I said, it's not an exclusive list. But do you believe that God still speaks today? And I would say yes and no. Because if you believe that God will speak to you in faith, yes, he will. But if you don't believe that God will speak to you, no, he won't. That's kind of wishy-washy, Chris. It's reality. Dr. Marie Tavis Lenore tells a story and she says, for us, when we talk to God, we would say it is prayer. But, and she's a a mental health professional, psychiatrist, but if you believe God speaks to you, then we would consider it schizophrenia. Now, I live in town, in the town of Brazil, and if you live somewhere in the Wabash Valley or around the United States and are tuning in with us, maybe you have this phenomena in your, on your street, but I can watch and sit on my front porch and I can see some people that uh, think that God talks to them and they're not okay. And they're hearing other voices and are far from God. And they do experience schizophrenia or bipolar or, in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine that actually is ministering to someone who has dissociative, a dissociative disorder. And I don't know if you know what that is, but that is multiple personalities. And, and my good friend has baptized two or three of those personalities, but he's got about 27 others that he still needs to baptize them. So can you imagine being dipped 30, 30 times 
and trying to integrate that personal, those personalities. In fact, they don't call her a her. They basically say that she has a community. And I, I looked at him, we were having this discussion, and I was in the cohort, and I, I, I just find it fascinating. But, but she was ritually abused uh, before the age of three, and this is real common with dissociative disorder. And so she had multiple personalities to deal with her pain and her suffering. And, and even though I found it fascinating, it still hurt. And she was in her 50s. And this had occurred in the 60s. Can you imagine in, 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 and how evil that would be? And so she hears voices and sees things that we don't see and experience. And in her pain, you would never know what she'd experienced because she would just be that kind little old church lady that comes to church and might sit next to you. So anyway, Dr. Latour says says that, but if you hear God... I just want to encourage you that you might not be crazy. I would consider us an evangelical church, and some of you are fundamental and some of you are a little bit more liberal. But but by and large, we are evangelical because we believe the Bible. We practice what it teaches. We practice the ordinances of baptism and communion, and we actually believe the Word of God. And some, some try to politicize that and some don't. I prefer not to because Jesus didn't and the Apostle Paul didn't in a very politicized culture. And so we want to major on the kingdom of God and the work of God because nothing else will solve and deliver what God wants and his will today. We can't rely on anybody else but him. Isn't that amazing? But anyway, 96% of the evangelicals talk to God. But only 45% believe God talks to them. And so I'm speaking to you, the 55% of you here that don't think God will speak to you. And, and that's a matter of faith and realizing that God still speaks. And the question then becomes, do you hear his voice? Do you hear the voice of God in your life? And I want to say this because... As I've done some research, there's some very formulaic approaches, and there is no formula of hearing from God. God isn't, you can't put God in a box and he doesn't do certain things certain ways. He breaks the mold as we've read about in the book of Rooted. And so as I present to you, I'm just going to say, here's how he's done it, but it may not be the way he does it with you. In the book of Hebrews, in the very beginning, in the first four verses, God speaks. He says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint. Can he get any closer than that? Of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That is our God who's spoken all through the ages. So the question is, how does God speak? How does God speak? 
And we're going to look at some different ways. And the first way we're going to look at is prayer. And these aren't going to be exhaustive. I, I, I spoke about prayer or preached about prayer a few weeks ago in the Better series. I devoted a whole sermon to it. So if you're interested, please go back and hear our podcast. But this is a fascinating story that was used in our Rooted book this week, Acts chapter 12, verses 12 through 17. And I hope you can bring your ears and your thoughts into uh, looking at this differently. This is the uh, Apostle Peter in the book of Acts. Luke is writing, and Peter has been jailed, and he's just been released by an angel. And Peter really can't determine whether it was a dream or actually physically if God did this through this angel. But, But he ends up at this house, John Mark's house, we believe it possibly could have been the upper room where the disciples were gathering, the apostles were gathering, actually to pray for him. And when he realized it was real, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark, John Mark, his nephew, probably, where many were gathered together and were praying for him, by the way. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer recognizing Peter's voice in her joy. She did not even open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. Now, Peter had to be wondering what was going on. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. In other words, you're crazy. Now, here were the early first century church leaders praying for Peter and they, God answers prayer in that moment, and they don't believe it. And the poor servant girl, they've labeled as crazy. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. They'd rather think it was an angel than his physical presence. But Peter continued knocking, and when they, op- or when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them, With his hands to be silent, he subscribed to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. God answers prayer. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who ministered to the least of these, said this, God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. What I find amazing about Mother Teresa, as you read her biography, what, what, what it says was that she felt this call to start the, the order that she started to minister to the least of these. And after she had the calling, she didn't hear the voice of God anymore. And I found that fascinating because I believe sometimes that happens, that as a servant of God, you stop hearing the voice of God And it's intentional, but you still are called to do the will of God, regardless. So prayer is one way we hear the voice of God. Another way is through Scripture. And you would say, well, that's obvious, Chris. The Word of God is there. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
You see, Scripture is the boundary that when we're led by the Spirit and, and, and the voice of God, when we hear it, he will always, it will always agree with the Word of God. That's our boundary. Sometimes people will say, well, the Lord told me, and it's indirect contradiction to the Word of God. And that's when we know this person is not of God. This is a false prophet, a false voice. Now, God speaks also through spiritual leaders and communities. And again, you need to have boundaries and listen with discernment. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, Peter writes it this way. He says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I find this amazing, this passage amazing. Uh, This is the only time that this morning star is mentioned in Scripture, and it means to be a light bringer. And the word actually in the Greek is phosphorus, which we get the word phosphorus from in, in English, but it means that our hearts are illumined, are lit up by God in inspiration as the apostles and prophets and disciples of old. But but this other word I find fascinating as well is called, well, actually, this being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The word is actually in the Greek, it's pheromenoi, for, for, for and, and it means to be carried along. But, but Luke is using an image here that's fascinating. He, he used this word in referring to a sailing vessel being carried along by the wind. So the wind blows and fills the sail and blows it along. And what the picture here is that, that God, through his spirit, is blowing along the apostles and those that wrote the New Testament and moving that sail where he will to lead them as they write or as they wrote. And and the same is true today, that as the Holy Spirit resides in your life, it will blow, it will breathe, and it will move you like a sailing ship if you are attuned to him. But sometimes our sail is empty of wind, and we're in the spiritual doldrums. We've got to discern whether or not it's the Spirit not blowing and we are waiting on God, or whether or not we are not aligned with God's will, and so our sail is not being filled because we're not listening and paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's a level of discernment. So not only does God speak to to us through his Holy Spirit and through his word, but also through nature and creation. Like Dan said, that this is one of our favorite times of the year. If you're a Hoosier, any day that is sunny in 75 in Indiana is a favorite day for me. And, and there was a time when I counted those days, but it seems like the more I count them, the more we have. And so I kind of like that idea. I and mean, these are beautiful days. But But Paul says in Romans 1, he says it this way about nature and its revelation. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, 
He's speaking to the unbeliever here because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. You see, even creation cries out that there is a God, there is a design, there is an order, and it's not accidental. It's intentional and purposeful. God also reveals himself through his Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit. Jesus says it this way as he prepares his apostles for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you Bring to rem- your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the holy reminder of what Jesus has said. In John sixteen thirteen through 15, Jesus says it this way about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit leads you into truth always. Now, the other way is through life events. And as we were studying in our small group this morning in Rooted, I just realized that this is also in your book. But I find this passage fascinating. The Apostle Paul, I mean, heard, I, I felt like, have always felt like he heard directly from God and he had direct instructions to what do you, what do you should do and where you should go. And it was just step-by-step formulaic. And what I see in this passage was it wasn't that way. Look in Acts chapter 16, 6 through 10. And this is Paul and Luke describing their journey. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, now here is God saying, no, I don't want the gospel spoken here and now to Asia. Now, that's a large place. Don't you think they deserve the gospel as well? But God stopped them. The Spirit stopped them. And then verse 7, And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Again. So they were bouncing around from one place to another place, trying to preach the gospel, but the Spirit didn't allow it. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul at night. And a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. And and here's what scripture says, concluding. Now, this is super obvious, isn't it? Concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to them. Well, no, go figure. God gave a direct vision to Paul. Now, another way God speaks is in his presence, through meditation and contemplation, through quietness and stillness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr of the faith in World War II, was killed under Hitler's orders for standing up for Christianity and the confessing church against the national church that was going along with the political leaders of the day. It should be a demonstration to us how far off Christianity can get. 
but Dietrich Bonhoeffer stayed true to the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ and died for it. This is what he said. The best kind of solitude is the presence of God. The best kind of solitude is the presence of God. C.S. Lewis says it this way, We may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. God is everywhere if we hear him. Now, as I was studying these passages and and the uh, rooted book in week three, and we're getting ready for week four, should start week four, day one tomorrow, God speaks to those that are humble. You can't be a narcissist and hear God. You've got to listen to hear his voice. You've got to be faithful. God speaks to those that are faithful, that are loyal, who are called by him, that are living in his presence. And God speaks to those that are obedient, that we and you should obey what he says. Now, I believe some people don't hear from God because he has already told you what to do, and you just need to do it. That's how simple that it is. And you say, well, yeah, but, Chris, and, and, and you're not yeah-butting me, you're yeah-butting God. Because if God has a plan and a purpose and he's speaking to you, then he's giving you the ability to do what he desires from you. I like this passage of Scripture that I'm going to kind of wrap up with today. It's from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 18. And this is God working through a burnout prophet named Elijah, who had done great things for God and spent his energy, and he was in a point of depression and anxiety and and fatigue. And God sends him to a cave for rehabilitation. And in that moment in the cave in 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18. Then he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Now, if you hear within that, that Elijah was feeling sorry for himself and and saying, I'm the only one, that's what he believed, but that wasn't true. And we'll see that here in this passage. And God said, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now, can you imagine standing on a mountain and everything blowing up around you on that mountainside, wondering if you were going to be taken out by a landslide? But you got to understand, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Now, you've just been through a windstorm and everything falling around you. Just imagine what it would be like in an earthquake. And everything under your feet was shaking. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And I I can't imagine, did the fire just blow up all around Elijah and God protect him like an asbestos suit of some kind? How did that work? 
How scary would that have been? But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Apparently, during all of this, Elijah sought escape inside the cave after he'd already been out. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I mean, you got to admire Elijah. He, he, he stayed with his line of reasoning completely, even through all of that. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of, of hosts, for the people of Israel forsaking your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And what's God say to him? Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. God's saying, I got some work for you to do. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, of Abel, Mihalah, you shall anoint to be the prophet of your place. I understand you burn out, Elijah. I'm going to take care of that. I've got a replacement for you. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha be put to death. And listen to this. Yet I have 7,000 in Israel. Elijah was not alone. All the knees that have not bowed to Baal in every mouth that has not kissed him. There was a remnant for God. I'm going to wrap up in Hebrews where I began today. Hebrews 3.15. And I'm saying this to you that don't believe that God doesn't speak to you. I'm saying this to you that need to hear God's voice that maybe are focused on self and not hearing his, his word for you. And he speaks to you. This is what the Hebrew writer wrote uh, a couple thousand years ago. In uh, chapter 3, verse 15, he says it like this. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, but hear God speak to you. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we're glad that you are a God that still hears our prayers, but also speaks to us through your spirit and through so many different ways, Lord. And Father... I pray for those that don't hear you, that haven't obeyed you, that haven't been faithful. And Father, may this be a time of repentance and a time of action and obedience in doing your will, what you have called them to do. Father, for those that are faithful and are following you and obedient and hearing you, I praise you for them. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to them in a loud voice in a clear way that we might be about your kingdom's business and your work first of all and most of all that others might know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for those that are struggling and uh, despondent like Elijah. Father, that you would give mercy and grace, that you would encourage them. And that, Father, like Elijah, they would obey your will and do your work. And, Father, that we aren't by ourselves. We aren't alone but you are faithful and you have a remnant that is serving you even now 
Father, we give you praise and glory in, in the hope and, and the faith that we can have in the work that you are doing today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come today?